That's why states are so important because, you know, attract into states or even falling in love or every state experience open us to possibilities and experiences that usually are blocked. But then we can make that state more and more into a permanent stage. And to do that in relationship with a partner is just the most exciting thing on the planet, right? Not not only the, the physical sex, but also the what some people, Barbara Marx Hubbard, called suprasexuality. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Patrick Cook. Welcome to Being. My guest today is Martin Uchik. Martin is the author of two books, Integral Relationships, A Manual for Men, and Sex, Purpose, Love, Couples in Integral Relationships, Creating a Better World. His work builds on Ken Wilber's integral theory by applying it specifically to human love relationships. Now he trains integral relationship practitioners, professionals, and group facilitators, and offers private trainings and consultations for singles and couples. Martin Uchik, welcome to being. If you're enjoying the content, please do subscribe to the show and get a new episode delivered directly to your device every Friday. And as always, I love hearing from you. So please do rate and review the episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whichever platform you prefer. Also, I'm proud to announce that the show is now available on YouTube. And you can also follow us on our new Instagram page, at Being with Patrick Cook. For show notes and more information, head on over to being-podcast.com. Now, on with the show. Martin Uchik, welcome to Being. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. This is very exciting. So I came across your work only recently online, and uh, I reached out to you on Instagram, I believe it was. And we started a short conversation, and uh, very quickly, we arrived on this podcast. So um, to be quite honest and transparent, I haven't read uh, your two books, but I have reviewed your work and I found it very fascinating and very interesting. So I'm really excited to dive in with it uh, about it today with you. Um, So your new book is Sex, Purpose, and Love. Couples in Integral Relationships, Creating a Better World. Just The title alone is just fantastic and just says speaks to me so deeply. Um, but as I understand it, it applies Ken Wilber's Integral Theory of Human Growth and Potentials to the areas of sex, purpose, and love, which mm-hmm. is fascinating. Uh, and in full transparency, again, I, I'm familiar with Ken's work, but haven't done a real deep dive into integral theory. And I actually ordered my first Ken Wilber book the other day. Uh, oh, it just, it, yeah. <laughs> but again, I am familiar with his work just um, mm-hmm. through... Yeah, uh, other people's work. Um, mm-hmm. But by, that might be a good place to start. Uh, if some of my audience are not as familiar with Ken's work as well, would you be willing to give us sort of like a, a brief overview, if possible, of what Ken Wilber's integral theory in, is? Yeah, yeah, that he put in 22 books over 40 years. Wow, um, what a prolific so- yeah. <laughs> How many hours do we have? Right. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's tough to squeeze in. But yeah. if you had to condense so- it down into, uh, one summary. Yeah. I mean, Ken was once asked, you know, what, what is the integral model good for? And he said it, it's for alleviating human suffering right. by understanding all the facets of what it means to be human. Mm. And, and there, there are basically five uh, big facets that, that, that he 
identified by just looking at the perennial wisdoms from the East. So he mm -hmm. looked at what has endured for thousands of years, right, more from a spiritual, uh, mystical perspective, and what would the most qualified scientists in the West agree on as you know, relative scientific truths. Mm. And he integrated all of that into his model. So it's really this East meets West, uh, spirituality meets psychology, meets science, meets aesthetics, meets art, mm. and, and all of that into a model. And uh, the four elements that are also relevant for relationships are what I, what, what they now also call the four dimensions of our being, that we have a an interior self, a consciousness, and we have an exterior body. Mm. And that body lives in a physical material environment, like your surfboard behind you and yeah. your microphone and all that, but also nature, right? And we can also include nature. And it also lives in a cultural context. And Habermas, which inspired Wilbur a lot, and me too, you know, he says, well, ask yourself, do you think the world is living more in you or is are you living in the world, right? I mean, <laughs> language and our beliefs and pretty much everything we know, we basically just learn from others and we, yeah. we, we just you know, take it for granted. And when we get into a love relationship, and only in a love relationship do these four dimensions get in intimate contact with each other, right? Through our sexuality and who takes out the trash and how do you spend your money and what values you have to share. There's you know, even if you're in a group right, setting, you usually never have this intimate contact of these four dimensions. Mm. That's the foundation of, of Wilbur's model and the integral relationship model. The second element is, is that we develop, so it's kind of like a hierarchical model of, of, of natural hierarchies. And uh, in the, the 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 core part is a consciousness development. Mm. And you know. Some people are familiar with that. Uh, there's often in what we call the green meme, they're, they don't like hierarchies at all. So they don't even like natural hierarchies, like mm. letters form words and words form sentences. And you know, they, they would just like to get away with all kinds of hierarchies. And this, this, uh, hi this I and Wilbur usually uses an eight-step hierarchy you can look at it from human evolution from the earliest human being the archaic stage and then getting the tribal magical stage then so like in a heroic uh, egocentric stage then in a, like a religious agriculture patriarchy mythic stage mm. then in a modern stage modern science everything where we would be modern in front of it and then a postmodern uh pluralistic sensitive self earth oriented humanistic I mean, humanistic is, is also the scientific, but, you know, human animal rights, feminism, elevating the feminine. These are the, the first six stages that are fairly common in most societies, not, mm. not in all societies. I'm in Turkey right now, so the, the green yeah. stage is just slowly, slowly emerging here. Uh, while in Northern California, where I lived for 20 years, you know, the green stage is in in full bloom, there may be 20, 30% of the population. Mm. And then the integral stage is the next one that simply put integrates all the healthy aspects of the six previous stages while transcending, going beyond their limited views and perspectives. And then there is an eighth stage, a transpersonal stage, post-lingual, post 
constructed mm. through words and, and, and things, uh, uh, sense of self. So that's the second element in Wilbur's model. And there are other developmental lines. Uh, I use the spiritual line of development with five uh, state stages of spiritual development, five state stages of sexual development, and five state, state stages of anima, animus complex development. Mm. It's a Jungian concept about the repressed or split of feminine in males and the split of masculine in females, which is then projected on the opposite sex. Yes. That's something, by the way, that Wilbur has not integrated in his uh, model because he's not a big fan of, of Carl Jung. All right. Um, but of course, I have tons of stuff not integrated that Ken has. Yes. Uh, and then the next one is uh, states, and, and I already touched on state stages, so, so temporary states of anger or or mm. falling in love, for example, right? We, we know that's a state experience. We go through different phases, in, even though we sometimes wish that state <laughs> of being madly in love with someone and everything works great usually doesn't last forever. So, so everything that doesn't last forever, sometimes that's good, sometimes not so good, right? Drug-induced mm. stage, sleeping, waking, dreamless sleep, they're all temporary states. And then the fourth one is types, personality types. So mm. Wilbur and the integral people are usually great on the Enneagram, uh, but also Myers-Briggs, and I bring in the five love languages, which you're probably familiar with. And yes, I am. The people who are viewing this. So yes. And then and then the the last one. Um, what did I miss here? I'm not Quadrants, sure. Levels, lines. Oh, I, I skipped the lines. So the, okay. The, <laughs> The lines are the different development lines that I already mentioned. I picked sexual, spiritual, and anima animus. Right. And then states is the fourth, and the fifth is types. And so now we have quite a bit to work with yes. right? because <laughs> all of these have incredible depth, and you can you can go as deep and and, and as wide with these. Uh, I mean, just looking at at the, at the, at these four dimensions of being, Immanuel Kant wrote three huge volumes <laughs> right that addressed one of the of these three dimensions or right um etc so that that's the model and the basic idea is is to be a you know balanced and harmonized in these four dimensions of your in your relationship to be at a similar level of consciousness and sexual spiritual and anima animus complex development mm. to make a relationship work so uh, and uh, and to understand your types and to accept that your relationship goes to different states, for example, yes. or sometimes a female goes through her menstrual cycle and and goes through different state experiences and mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And and so that's that's basically where I started with. So that's the yes. sex, part. <laughs> that, and that's also Wilbur's model in yes. Uh, in well, 10 minutes, in I, 10 I, minutes or less. <laughs> I will applaud you for that summary because that was not an easy ask and it's quite a <laughs> robust model uh, and comprehensive. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm so impressed that you've been able to take that model and advance it even further um, using your own modalities, um, mm. specifically around relationships, uh, which I'd love to get into in one sec. But there is one thing that you mentioned early on in that description about the nature mm. of consciousness and how 
how much we're um, influenced by our environment, how much we're conditioned by our environment, and how much that creates the amount of content of the world living within us, right? Yeah. And so, so when we're born, we're basically these innocent light beings, and we become conditioned uh, as an evolutionary uh, advantage to make us more adaptive to our environments, as I understand, right? Mm, and so, yeah. so when you take a human being and you like the same human being and they grow up in say the United States or in a tribal community in, in Africa or somewhere, they're going to, they're going to be different people by the time they reach adulthood. And so my question is, what is the fundamental nature of consciousness? If, you know, if you subtract all of these influences, all this conditioning, what's left, what do we begin with? Where does the initial consciousness develop from? That, that's such an unfair question <laughs> because nobody has an answer to well, that. Well, that's why I'm curious. I just I yeah. know there's no answer, but I'm curious yeah. what your take is considering what's, your <laughs> what, what's my answer to the unanswered yeah. question. <laughs> so I'll, the best I can give you is is that 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 consciousness regulates information flow in the brain. Mm. And that that's not really my answer. I think that's William James. Right. Uh, but it is really how you, I mean, we're, we're sensing beings, right? We perceive the world through our senses yes. and, and through our meaning-making structures in a way. How do we interpret words and, and what do we consider in moment to moment as important and not important mm. from what we can become aware of? I mean, one thing is what can we be aware of? Some people yeah. read the New York Times like me every day, so I'm aware of different things than if somebody reads the Bible every day right. or, or listens to, I mean, we now know we all live in our information bubbles and things like yes, that. Yes, we do. But my, my level of consciousness basically determines which articles do I read, what am I interested in, what do I think is important, mm. what do I pay attention to, and what do I do with this information? And that would be my definition of what consciousness does. It, it, mm. it basically determines what do you hear, what do you see, right? what, what do you feel, what do you think. What, mm. and, 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 and that's not necessarily inside your brain, right? Some, some people think consciousness is, is not even inside your body. I mean, nobody knows how this works, that, that this, you know, firing buildings of synapses in your brain, you know, can can create an, an idea about the world. Mm. And, and this, this regulating of, of information flow in your brain is what we would consider consciousness. And a baby is basically unconscious because it's not yet consciously selecting, mm. right? It's, it, it's, it's instinctual, right? right? And totally fused with its environment. And then as we as we become self-conscious, what we are aware of is, is very limited, right? We cannot yeah. read books and, and we don't understand. And, and, and then there is an increase in complexity. You could say an increase in consciousness means an increase in complexity and freedom and choice mm. of, if you want, controlling. It's not maybe not the right word, but to have more freedom around choosing which information um, you you allow to enter your your awareness and what you do with it. Yes, and there's sometimes so much I, I compare it a little bit like with ice cream, right? If you <laughs> if you only have the choice between vanilla and chocolate, right? That, that's your level of 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 choice, then or your consciousness, then yeah. you choose between the two. And as you become more conscious, you see more and more options, and now you have twenty different flavors and and 
And so some people, they even go like, well, I don't want to become more conscious because it seems like relationships in life <laughs> becomes more and more complicated. And it's true. It's true. Yeah. People who are highly conscious often feel very alone because they're no longer understood. I can, I can relate to that. Yeah. Uh, then, then people who are a more simple idea about how the world works. Well, a woman should be at home and cook and clean and get children, right? right? And, and the man should kind of support her and the guy should make the money and protect yes. her. <laughs> and here we have a very simple men are from Mars, women are from Venus relationship model that worked perfectly for my parents. They were <laughs> blissfully happy for 50 years until my dad passed away. And my mom often goes, why do you guys have all these problems in your relationship? I don't understand. You know, it's like, it oh, was yeah, mom. Why did you make it complicated? Yeah, you went to school for seven years and never you know, <laughs> did anything else than being at home and raising kids and singing yes. in the church choir. And, and she didn't expect more from life. Yes. Yeah, you know, hum as human beings, we crave certainty, and that's why yeah. one way to you know keep the keep it simple, keep it simple. Yeah. But for me, I, that was never enough, and I think as a species, it's not enough. We need to be living more consciously because there are major problems that are the result of the uh, our unconsciousness, in my opinion. Um, yeah. yeah, just to wrap up on that, um, you know, uh, the way I sort of feel is that there is a, a field, uh, a general field, maybe it's the quantum field of consciousness that we tap into as sort of antennae, you know, so yeah. each individual is an antennae that's uh, um, tapping into a collective consciousness. And then, mm -hmm. like you say, we're uh, distilling and discerning what information is relevant to our experience and how to process it in order to survive. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fascinating. First, it has to go into our awareness, right? Exactly. So that, that's already tricky. <laughs> yeah. What gets filtered out as yes. irrelevant. Yeah, and most gets filtered out, frankly. Yeah. You know? yeah. um, and that's actually, I was discussing with a friend the other day about psychedelics um, mm. and how it sort of removes the filter, you know, and sort of you, it opens the floodgates to information of consciousness yeah. coming yeah. through. Yeah. And that's why yeah. you're, you're cap, you know, um, catatonic and you can't process anything because you're overwhelmed <laughs> but it also just gives you that sort of glimpse into you know the abyss into infinity that there is so much more and then you can help it helps you navigate your day-to-day -day life uh, if you're able to integrate that yeah. new information that's uh, why states are so important because yeah. you know attract into states or even falling in love or right. every state experience open us to possibilities exactly and experiences that usually are Blocked by yes, and you know, when we're in our normal state, but then we can make that state more and more into a permanent stage yes. through mindfulness meditation and tantric, tantric sexuality, and then you know we we can really open our brain. Obviously, you know that and hundred percent, yeah. And to do that in relationship with a partner mm. is just the most exciting thing on Fantastic. the planet, right? Not not only the the physical sex, but also the what some people, Barbara Marx Hubbard, called suprasexuality. Yeah, so like I love yeah. it. So this is yeah. a great segue into discussing your new book, Sex, Power, Love. And um, I read the, the summary on your website, and it was just mm -hmm. beautiful. It says it addresses the complexity of love relationships in the 21st century and the importance of healthy, sustainable love relationships to solve global challenges that humanity are facing. That is just mm -hmm. fabulous. I'd love you to just unpack that and how, what that yeah. looks like for you. Yeah. So, so the purpose part um, started in a way with, with, with my parents, if you will, right? Where, where my, my father and, and all the males, <clears throat> and historically, you know, males had all the power, but all the mm. 
the, the responsibility. Mm-hmm. Sometimes women forget that they also had the responsibility. So just, <laughs> oh, men had all the power, right? <laughs> uh, but, well, they also had, took on a lot of responsibility. Let's not risk. forget that yeah, and yeah. risk, right? Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, <clears throat> and the women, you know, basically chose men who did things that were, were by and large in service of them and their offspring otherwise mm-hmm. we wouldn't be here right of so course. all the, the all the providing and the protecting and inventing cars and airplanes and yeah. whatnot right if women wouldn't have rewarded that in some way mm-hmm. you know get the guy with the red Porsche and not the guy with the old fiat right <laughs> <laughs> to make yeah. an extreme example yeah right? uh, and and that no longer really works that way because of course now females also have entered the, the public domain and mm. if we just continue so like rewarding the most abusive and aggressive men right abusive and destructive in, from an environmental mm. sense then you know we really have a problem and so males and females can share uh, three different forms of purpose and hopefully I'm not going too fast here, we all live our biological purpose, which is called imperative to survive and to procreate and to to form groups and seek quality of life. Mm. And again, that was very segregated in, 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 it became very segregated in the mythic stage and in the modern stage. Um, And then some people also awaken to what I call transformational purpose, which is our purpose to learn and to heal and to grow and to awaken. Mm. And again, in the past, that was often very segregated and mainly reserved for males. Mm. And, uh, the males were the spiritual masters and the monks. Of course, there were also nuns, but you know, they went to schools and things like that, uh, while the females were relegated to reproductive capabilities. And then there's something I call our trans then transcendental purpose, which we have this interesting genetic predisposition for empathy, cognitive intelligence, artistic creativity or aesthetics, and kinesthetic abilities. Again, the expression of these uh, talents were mainly reserved for males in Mm. in the past. And what my vision is for, for future relationships, which is also already slowly emerging is that males and females become equal co-creators in the domestic and in the public sphere with equal rights and responsibilities. Mm. But it's not that the responsibilities in the public sphere get relegated to males and to masculinized females in some cases, yeah. right? You have to be very masculine. Yeah. Uh, and the domestic sphere is still relegated to, to females, but that we that we share this, what I call transcendental purpose to create more truth, more goodness, more beauty, and more function in the world or functioning in the world that is uh, sustainable and peaceful. Mm. And I mean, that sounds like beautiful or, or maybe easy, <laughs> but who, t- who says what is this truth? Who says yes. what's beautiful? Who says what's functional? And who says what's uh, beautiful? And I think we need a new form of dialectic, so drawing from Jürgen Habermas again, uh, that's not just between males making masculine validity claims in the coffee houses uh, <laughs> of Vienna traditionally, right? It's like the, uh, 
but that, that males and females, even on the smallest level of social holons, get into discourse, making feminine and masculine validity claims to what is good, true, beautiful, and functional, mm. and then enact that in the world. Yes. And, and, and that, that is sort of like my vision around, around the purpose uh, part yeah. of the book. Uh, I just want to, what you mentioned there about biological versus transcendental purpose, I think is mm -hmm. fascinating and, and so true when I read that, the biological being more survival and instinctual purpose, yeah, and transcendental, and procreating, procreating. And also quality of life seeking. So right. wanting the big mansion and the boat and, and the luxury right. of flying around the world, that's all still part of the biological purpose, just to clarify that. Right. Uh, and then the transcendental purpose, how would you define that? Well, in the middle part is what I call the transformational purpose, which right. about 20% of the population, at least in Western, um, probably around the world, also have a desire to improve themselves in, yeah. in, simply put, right, to heal and to learn and to grow and to awaken. Interestingly enough, 80% of the population roughly have no interest in that. Quite the contrary. They often say, oh, I don't want to have a guy who has any baggage or I don't want a woman who's moody and bitchy or something like that, right? right. We, we imagine this kind of easygoing a person, a partner, while the reality is we're all uh, human becomings, right? We're yes. Human, human beings, becoming. we're human becomings. <laughs> yes. and, and we all have our shit and... and uh, yeah. And relationships are the best place to deal with that, but most people want to avoid any kind of like challenges in relationships. So in that mm. stage, John Melwood called it, we feel attracted to worthy opponents, so people who call mm. us on our shit and who challenge us to realize our fullest human potential, not only in a materialistic survival quality of life-seeking way, but, but in a personal development way. Yes, And yes. out of that emerges the transcendental purpose. And I know these words are somewhat abstract, but transcendental means it goes beyond the biological and transformational purpose. Mm. And it transcends also the ego as a separate sense of self, because the transcendental purpose is a innate in our soul, in our genetic makeup. Mm. And I, I write a lot about how this, this latest research on, on, on genes informing our talents and how skill development allows us to express these talents and then but that's not enough from there we need to awaken or go beyond the ego to put our talents into service yes of the well-being of others and the biological purpose 100 so, yes so that's, and 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 this decision right that's the tricky part in philosophy to say it again to decide what is good, true, beautiful, and functional yeah. is done in the context, in, in dialogue, right? In, in exchange between, at the smallest level, between two people who then maybe have an agreement what this is and then share it with, with other couples or with other people. And then out of that, you know, is a more sustainable and peaceful world, in, mm. at least in, in theory, yes. <laughs> uh, emerging. Yeah, this is where this we is... do not relegate so like the dirty stuff to the males, right? <laughs> you go out there and do the dirty work, and yeah. I'm not the peaceful female, but that you know that that's co-created in the relationship. Mm -hmm. 
So for me, what I'm hearing is, is, and you can let me know if this is uh, an accurate map, but this, the biological sort of purpose is more sort of that unconscious evolutionary algorithm and that mm. moving more into consciousness goes through the transformation into full enlightenment, if I could air quote that, into yeah. the transcendental yeah. purpose. Does that Higher map? Stages of consciousness. Stages yes. of consciousness with the mm -hmm. development of purpose. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. Absolutely. Um, one of the ways I define, because I work with clients a lot on uh, finding their purpose and, and expressing their creativity, one of the ways I define life purpose is that creative expression of your truest, deepest essence. Mm -hmm. And, and the work is, is, you know, revealing and removing all the conditioning or the limiting beliefs or the trauma, anything that's getting in the way of that full expression of that deepest essence. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things that comes up, um, though, as they move deeper into their essence is, okay, yes, I'm in, uh, I'm embodying this, but how does it map to the, the system that I need to show up in this capitalist system where I still need to make money? I still need to put food on the table. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. they don't align because I work with a lot of artists who like, okay, yes, mm -hmm. I'm expressing myself fully but it's not being valued by the system in the same way that say a stockbroker or a lawyer would be right yeah. and so there's this disconnect between what's valued in the society and and you know the person um expressing their deepest essence how do you yeah. reconcile those two well i mean first of all i would say doing that in a healthy relationship you right. know makes it a little easier than being a solo artist right uh, <laughs> and and from there first of all i, I want to say for some people, expressing being parents yes. and raising children is their deepest essence. 100%. And I have a lot of respect for that as a father or four daughters. By yes, the way. I'm a father right? as well. It's one of my, my deepest. But in in uh, general, so, so if somebody says, you know, that's my purpose, and then taking care of my grandchildren, taking care of my parents, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that if you do that I in, totally in agree. a sustainable, healthy way. Yes. Some people feel called to just you know, to this personal growth and development path, of course, you need a job because you don't get paid for doing that. You usually yeah. pay other people for doing that. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, when when you get in touch with your, what I call transformational, with, with your, your essence, right? With your, when, when your true talents awaken what you want to contribute to the world. Um, I, I mean, in, in my training, I show these, these mind maps where I say, okay, here in the center is sort of like your core talent or how, mm. you know, bring more beauty into the world through, through visual art or through music or poetry or whatever it is. Uh, but to find ways to express that, that actually serves other people in a way that they want to pay, pay us for. And that may yeah. not be the ideal vision, right, that, that we have, but, you know, we instead of making paintings, maybe we paint morals. And instead yeah. of being a big musician on stage, maybe we run a music school. Or um, yeah. I think sometimes we need to be creative and maybe even, I don't want to say downscale, but, yeah. but apply it to something that that also fills the functionality part, that it, yes. that it provides something that... Um, and sometimes you have to go parallel, I mean, for, for many years. Yeah. I had a day job that I'm not proud of, right? Because it was not aligned with my values. Right. And my excuse was always, and I did, that I invested the money I made there into the work that I finally now can do professionally. So sometimes right. it's also a, a thing where, where you have to go parallel until right. the other thing takes off. But, but this is a 
I mean, I don't want to belittle that problem. It's very frustrating. Yeah, and and somewhat of a somewhat of a tragedy, in my opinion. Like because you're there, there is a a trade off in order to fit in with the the current value system, which values you know materialism and profit at all costs and these things that don't align with our truest essence. It's it's really tragic when we have to compromise in any way just to fit into that system. But uh, I agree. There, you you do need to sort of figure out how you can add value to that system in order to fund and um and help develop your truest essence to a place where you can yeah. get it where now you know okay yes i'm full, living in full expression full abundance i'm being remunerated mm. for it and that's you know what i call sovereignty is really you know mm. you've full control over your creative capacity and full independence and responsibility yeah yeah, yeah that's it's also interesting there's this guy brian wetton i i like to he has a lot of free stuff and it's called okay. selling by giving and a lot of people are just also bad marketers right not only <laughs> don't they have a clear message what what value do they really provide and know how to you know market themselves and he has a fairly complex system i just want to mention one thing please do I, as, as long as you or, or as long as you and you already pointed to it as, as long as you your talent is something that expresses itself in a material way mm. that also allows people to make money with what you're selling them mm. right it's an investment or the, it's a t- the tool that they can use yeah. right? uh, that is the easiest sell because there's an immediate return on investment on the of other course. side or they feel uh, if you help people in with information, right? I'll teach you how to do something. That's a little harder to sell if you sell happiness in the widest sense, right? As a therapist or yeah. uh, something like that. That's even a harder sell because happiness is not really tangible, right? Information yeah. usually has more value. Look at Bloomberg, right? He became yeah. a billionaire just selling information. And yeah. the hardest sell is spirituality, right? Awakening, enlightenment, some. <laughs> Um, esoteric, metaphysical, and oddly enough, most people, you know, when they get in touch with their maybe true callings or calling or essence, it's often so like the other way around, right? They mm. often, and there's just only so much room for for people who sell enlightenment in the in the widest sense <laughs> or awakening, and yeah. only so much room for people to sell happiness. And admittedly, you know, some people are maybe sometimes feel a little bit overconfident about their their abilities, <laughs> right? What's your qualification? How long have you done that? Yes. Uh, yeah, and, this is all relevant for me, definitely, because I'm in that yeah. sphere and uh, I've definitely run into a lot of those uh, issues. Or, yeah. um, But I, I think when we're talking about life purpose, and you said it earlier, it has to come from fundamentally from a place of service. And so many yeah. people, you know, when they're thinking about their life purpose, it's an it's an ego thing. It's like, okay, what can I do for me? What, yeah. What's the best positioning? What's the best education for my benefit only? Yeah. And I think that's fundamental to many of the world's problems we have is this shell of an ego that we've all crawled into, mm. not, not realizing the deeper connection with each other and with nature and the universe at large, where anything I do is deeply connected to everything else. There's no yeah. every, what's in it for me because I'm externalizing harm whether I know it or not. Yeah. Um, and so when you get to that transcendental purpose, it has to be fundamentally as an act of service first, making the, the world more beautiful, more true, yeah, adding yeah. value, adding functionality, yeah. something that's of, and that's intrinsically valuable whether yeah. it fits into the capitalist system or not. So yeah. 
Um, and based on what the world is also ready for, right? There's well, exactly. Nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come. Is exactly. And I think and, these ideas need to come to yeah. their time because uh, we're running out of time. Yeah. yeah. And again, if you're in a partnership, right, there's also this, this you probably feel that too. You feel, or, you know, some, some people really feel drawn to delivering their, their essence, right? Or, or, or delivering what they feel passionate about. Mm. And, they also need to market themselves and often yeah. we get stuck between. And so if you have a partner, you know, and, and two minds come together behind the shared vision and mission and purpose, it just becomes so much more powerful. For sure. And I'm, I'm good friends with Alex and Alison Gray, the painters. I don't know if mm. you know them or know of them. And they really, they lived that for 40 years. And yeah. they came to my talk in New York. I didn't even know who they were. Uh, 2011 and at the end somebody said well martin your vision this is kind of unrealistic utopia and then this woman got up and said no no i'm here with my husband and we're living that for 40 years and then oh, they that's amazing themselves to me and and i i didn't even get it when the guy said i'm alex gray i said like the famous artist and he said yeah <laughs> uh, like the famous artist you know <laughs> So is that is that the kind of thing that's developable, or did those people were they attracted to each other initially because of a resonance with purpose, even if it wasn't well defined at the time? Is that something yeah. you can develop if over time? I mean, yeah, you can. I mean, you now we need to bring this in our awareness that there is an additional mate selection mm. in, in addition to the biological sexual selection right. process that we also select our mate for shared transcendental purpose once we know what our transcendental purpose is. Right. And when they met, they were already artists and, and right. they felt this strong pull towards each other. And I mean, that's not new in history. Lennon and McCartney, they were on that level, right. right? Soulmates, if you will. Yeah. And and Hewlett and Packard and whatnot. There were many, you know, some women, but mostly males who were much more protect pro productive co-creators. Right. Like Bill Gates and and uh, oh, forgot his name now, <laughs> uh, Steve Wozniak and and Steve Jobs and right. uh, Mark Allen, I think was his name. He passed okay. away a while ago. Yeah. So so that again, the idea is is that couples, same sex or opposite sex, heterosexual couples become these these co-creators, and it becomes much easier. Mm. to live and manifest and, and also monetize. I hate that word, but yeah. make a living, <laughs> yeah. maybe a nicer word. <laughs> and also then, you know, there isn't this like, oh, I mean, let's face it, there's still a majority of women who want to have someone who's a strong protector provider, of course. you know, much better provider than they are. And if they assume equal rights and responsibility also around the providing part, Mm. It takes a lot of burden of both sexes, yeah. where one is less dependent and the other one is less pressured, and and maybe more is less in that case. Yeah, where both living their purpose uh, can be a smaller house and a smaller car. Everything can be smaller. What is good for the environment too, and in turn, you you serve the world in instead of taking from the world. So that yes. that's my couples in integral relationships co-creating a better world. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I think it's fascinating. And um, but one thing that's coming up for me that I've had this discussion many times actually with clients as well is that, as you said earlier, maybe up to eighty percent of people are still in the biological purpose phase. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. uh, which means a lot of people are getting married at that phase. And then what happens when, say, one of the partners is moving more into transformation, more into transcendental purpose, and the other isn't, and that creates a sort of disharmony or dissonance there where yeah. you know the one partner is like hey come on you can do this too and you know they're not um stepping up to the plate uh, yeah. how do you sort of rectify that is there you know at, at one point one partner needs to move on and that ends up in divorce maybe that's for the best um i don't know yeah unfortunately i mean that that's my story yeah I me too had a, a great <laughs> biological uh, soulmate in my my second wife and our three beautiful children and yeah we still when we get together we we get along fine and when i became a sensitive new age guy usually it's it's the woman <laughs> but i became the snack in northern california when snack, i met is Eckhart that the Tolle. acronym i love that yeah sensitive new age guy never heard <laughs> i've never heard that that's awesome <laughs> i'm totally yeah. gonna use that i'll yeah. give you credit though yeah, I, well i picked it from somebody else snacks anyway <laughs> um, yeah that became it was very frightening for my for my ex-wife um, mm. because she thought i'm gonna become part of some cult and move to <laughs> India and I, I abandoned them and no longer protect and provide. And I would have done that if I wouldn't have felt that responsibility right. and right. and have a, a fairly well-paying job. It was very frightening for her. And I didn't realize that. So it's these relationships still can work if 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 it is made conscious what's going on. Right. But most people don't know because it, it creates fear or shame in the other partner. There's something right. called the fear-shame downward spiral. So mm. if the man awakens to that, the woman will get afraid that he's no longer protecting and providing. And if the woman goes on this path, the male male feels shame when she comes back and said, oh, today I met this amazing yes. teacher and I want to go to this tantra class and there's all these interesting guys and the the, the the person who is still in the biological purpose, of course, completely freaks out yes. of not being good enough, right? He goes like, well, I'm working and maybe 100%. even babysitting here that you can go to your transformational groups or spiritual groups. And then you come home and complain to me that I'm not as enlightened <laughs> as the people there, right? Oh and God. so if you, if you consciously can manage that, but most people cannot do that. And, yeah. and, and then... You know, I was lucky that we had an amicable divorce, but at least my wife said, I, I like you more now that you're this snack. But on the <laughs> other side, she pulled back more and more because she got really scared about it. Yeah. And under I, understandably. I changed. Yeah. 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 I that, changed as well. Same yeah, thing happened to me. That part I did not understand. I did not understand how to make her feel safe and said, you know, yeah. this is in addition. It's not instead. Right. Yes. But that's such a beautiful the, model. The the pull then, like, no matter if it's male or female, towards people who are living this transformational purpose is, of course, also eventually so strong that that you may fall in love with someone who is more compatible biologically mm. and in your transformational purpose. Right. And then this is also how the concept of polyamory and and uh, which is a whole other can of worms in a way emerged. But again, that takes a lot of maturity and 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 uh, self-security and, and psychological health in order to pull that one off mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the same happens actually when you go from transformational to transcendental purpose right i i have actually couples and this is the only part 
where I don't like my, my model and my teaching. You know, I do these online courses and I have couples. And sometimes I, you know, specifically when we get to transformational purpose, sometimes, uh, I mean, transcendental purpose, sometimes transformational where, where they, you know, one partner looks over and says like, see, see, that's like, and the other goes like, mm. uh-huh. you know? so like, you know, where I feel I, I, I bring up the incompatibility more than than to help them to right to grow together in transformational to, to transcendental purpose right where mm. we create more goodness truth beauty and mm. functioning uh, in service of of others and the world is so unique that it's often very unlikely that a couple who met at a biological purpose also shares the the transcendental purpose. Mm-hmm. Wow. My yeah. wife, my ex-wife now is totally into growth stuff, you know, 15 years later. Right. Uh, my kids <laughs> and we, we sometimes go like, yeah, mom. Like, yeah, we know. That's what dad did 15 years ago. We die not to be condescending. And so I have of these friends who said, why don't you get to back together with her now, now that she's also yeah. interested in what you're interested. And I said, well, but she doesn't share my transformation, my transcendental purpose. Right. And right. that's what I want now. Right. right. So that's the number one, what I look for in a partner is someone who shares my transcendental purpose and passion in supporting singles and couples in co-creating integral mm. relationships. Mm. And then yes. secondary is someone who is at, at a similar level of development so that she can challenge me in, in learning, healing, growing, and awakening further and vice versa. And the third important thing is the biological purpose because mm. the pull of these other two purposes is so strong potentially that the logical, you know, the looks in, in, in my case and, and things like that, and maybe for her, the looks and, and the money I have or don't have or whatever is no longer so important. Right. right? I often teach people that they usually do sexual selection from the biological purpose first and say, okay, okay, that's a match. The sex is great. And and we're compatible in our expectations. Let's see if we also have the transformational, Uh, it's a little off, but we can kind of make that work. And then the transcendental, uh, we have totally different talents and interests. What I say, turn this around and find a partner who shares your transcendental purpose first, what you're really passionate about, and then see if you're at a similar level of uh, trans- transformation of growth in different lines, and then see if the biological also uh, fits. Mm, fascinating. I love that. Turn it on its head. So this yeah. brings up the question then about, you know, like we said earlier, the, you know, so many people enter relationships when they're still in the biological mode, which usually means they haven't done a lot of the healing work to clear out trauma and, mm. you know, conditioning. And so that's another reason why, you know, relationships break down is th- those come into conflict conflict, and there's shadow at work and there's just, there's too much resentment and anger that it just mm. explodes. So it, how much um, would you recommend, you know, individual singles doing the individual work of healing to get to a place of transformation first before they um, try to find their, you know, twin flame or their transcendental purpose partner. Yeah, yeah. And the other I thing think, is, the, yeah. sorry, mm-hmm. just the other thing is, it, it, it could also happen. The third case that we didn't discuss is you could, you know, meet and marry in the biological and mm-hmm. then move together or one person. And then the next moves into yeah. transformational and they be on different paths and they just, you know, that that's a reason why they, they split. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's also so first of all, just, just looking at my daughters, 
mm. you know, and, and I don't want to pat myself too much on the, on my <laughs> ex specifically, but I mean, we, my ex and I, we both could not live out our, our talents. We were not supported as, as children to develop mm. our talents. We had to fit into the mold of what our parents wanted us to be. Very common. And so I think modern parents, and I mean mo re modern parents in the sense of being at a modern stage of development and postmodern right. parents and, and the whole school system is now much more uh, geared towards really supporting children and young people in, in developing their natural talents mm. much more than, than it was the case 20, 30 years ago. So my kids in, in their you know, mid-20s, early mid-20s, they already knew what their what their purpose is, mm. and 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 so I think it's much more likely for for younger generations to uh, to know what their transcendental purpose is and 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 to do the sexual selection that way. Right. But for Good. I mean, I'm 63 now, going on 64. Right. So I'm a totally different generation right. where where your natural talents. People were just like I mean, unless you were super talented like a mozart or something like that and uh, and, and had a father who who supported that yeah uh, that wasn't so important so yes the for for people who do not know what their transcendental purpose is uh they need people like you who support them in in identifying that right. and if they're single i would say you know if that resonates with you if, mm. if you're not so interested just in biological and transformational purpose, identify what you're really passionate and concerned about is and where you your deepest pain about the world meets your greatest gift, mm. right? and where this intersection is uh, and what you want to contribute and then lift that purpose. Right? Sometimes people say, well, Martin, you're not really, uh, what is the word? Uh, um, there's no integrity there because you're teaching that stuff and you're single. I said, well, that's not the point. Mm -hmm. The point is that I live my, that I feel I live my transcendental purpose and I'm mm -hmm. totally open to be in a relationship. And I probably could be in a relationship yes. relatively quickly. Right. <laughs> well, it would take me a few days. But right. this is not not at this level, not about being in a relationship. Yes. It's about being in the relationship because yes. i'm no longer interested in serial dating or in dating people who are not or dating women who are not my equals and don't share my yes. transcendental purpose that brings so me if, to the question if uh, you only want to live your biological purpose of course you have a huge pool to fish of course in. <laughs> if you live if you also want to share your transformational purpose the pool gets smaller mm. but it also gets I mean, there's fewer fish in the pool, yes. but it also gets much bigger because you, you're at a higher level and you're more yes. international. And if you're at a trans transcendental purpose, I mean, we're international here. I have students from over 30 countries right. and they're also connecting with each other. So, so that's, that's the advantage of the high mobility we have now in, in the internet that we can easily meet people from, from all over the world. Mm. Yes. Okay, so when you talk about the biological purpose and manifesting into or growing into transformational transcendental, mm -hmm. there 
to me, there seems like there's many manifestations. There are, there could be many f- manifestations of your trends, and it's not does not not necessarily Ten one thousands, thing. Hundred thousands. Hundred yeah. thousands. Okay, great. Yeah. So, because mm-hmm. I think people get caught in the idea of oh, my purpose has to be this specific thing manifesting this specific way, you know, and maybe it's more. It's a you know the expression can manifest in many different ways. Would you, yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So. How that maps, though, to okay. So when you're talking about a soulmate, or is there mm-hmm. such thing as a soulmate? You're talking about finding somebody yeah. that shares that value in a similar manifestation. That narrows the pool significantly. So yeah. is it is there is there only one person or a handful of people that can mm-hmm. match that role, or is it, you know, you can find that with many different people, like this idea of a twin flame or a soulmate mm-hmm. when it comes to relationships? I think they're fairly unique. So, so there's three steps one is your your natural talent and that's either mm. you have a strength in cognitive intelligence mm. or more a strength in empathy or more a strength in artistic creativity or more a strength in functionality and usually we have one dominant and one secondary and the other two like i cannot even draw a stick man right i, I mean i'm just like <laughs> visually forget it right aesthetics mark now you're wearing this yeah why not well <laughs> Nobody dresses like that. Really, I do. <laughs> like, you know. yeah. awesome. But aesthetics are important, right? And, right. Uh, and I'm also, I mean, I'm very narrowly educated. I, I have a hard time learning. I, I'm not very mm. cognitively intelligent. Mm. So I'm, I'm very practical, functional, and, and I'm also relatively empathetic. Mm. And so, so these are my natural talents. And then, um, then you, out of these talents, you uh, develop skills and you find your purpose. And my purpose I define as bringing people together to co-create. So that's the middle part. And then you have the the expression of of my purpose. And that was initially to bring people together to to play in bands. I was Mm. always really great in you and you and you and you. We play together. Yes. And hold the band together. Then I had the business with, Many, I mean, twenty employees and eighty thousand customers. So I knew how to bring developers and customers into music business and connect them with technology. And now I'm have this passion of bringing people together to co-create healthy relationships. Mm. Right. So my talent and my my purpose of bringing people together didn't change, but the expression of uh, my talent and my purpose has changed. Right. The delivery. Yes. And so, so that the ta- so the talents should be complementary, and that creates the suprasexuality. Mm. So ideally, I would find a partner, attract a partner who is more cognitive intelligent than I am, who is more aesthetically intelligent as I am. Mm. Right? Challenging. And then in those together ways. in our combination of my let's just assume that's true empathetic talents and. My, my practical talents of creating functioning systems, we complement each other to have basically together the highest level of, of talent expression in these four crucial areas. Mm. And that's, that's all there is in humans, really. It's cognitive intelligence, empathy, uh, aesthetics, and functionality. That's mm. it. Can wow. you get any philosophy at the Nobel Prizes? Everywhere you look, Bhaskar, Kant, Hegel, um, Wilbur, you name it, they all identify these four. And so if they're complementary, right, that creates the attraction. Mm. And then if they align behind a shared purpose, right? in my case, bringing people together to co-create, 
Right? Now the expression, you know, somebody may say, oh, I'm already doing that, but I do it in a filmmaker. The other day we had the idea of a bookstore where the books would be sorted by level of consciousness. Ah. Right? <laughs> I don't know what her expression exactly will be right. as long as there is this, this desire of bringing people together to co-create. Mm. And somebody else may have a passion for with plants, some doing something with gardening or plants, and other people with surfing, and other people with music, and other people with whatever it is. And so it, it's this. That's why the, the, this book got so thick. The Sex Purpose Love book is like eight hundred pages. Oh and wow! The, and that the, the purpose part is whatever four hundred pages of that. Uh, Amazing that we figure out what is complementary and creates attraction and synergy, right? Coming back to making money, right? Mm. Because now you combine the talents that you not don't have in expressing your purpose. You know, you combine that with someone who has where you lack the talent, they have the talents, and that makes you so much more powerful and effective as a couple. Mm. And but but then the, the delivery has to be aligned, right? So you need to find then a combination where you can really synergize and not distract each other from living each other's purpose. Mm. Wow, this is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Martin. This has been fantastic. I feel like we could go on forever, but it, it has been an hour already. So yeah. uh, I'll be cognizant of your time and, and let you yeah. go. I, I do have one more question for you, though. Uh, and this is one I like to ask all my audience. It's a tricky one, um, or my my guests. If you were to take all of your experiences, all of the knowledge and wisdom that you've gained, and distill them down into one message or one sentence, what would it be? Well, become clear about who your soulmate is, so you can express it in in one sentence. And once you attract him or her. Uh, be grateful to spirit or God or whatever that, that brought you together and make the world a better place. That's it. Beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much, Martin. You and I check. also shout this out to all single people, right? In, in my soulmate uh, module training, you know, find the three most important things that you want to share with a partner and don't be shy to broadcast that into the world. Right? Mm. Just as I said, what I'm, envisioning in a, in a partner because that's how now we we attract people but you need to be very clear about what you're looking for in order to to attract it or find it 100 and then, and then yeah be be joyous and be be grateful that you're blessed with that aho brother yes martin uchik thank you so much uh would you like to let people know where they can find you online yeah uh it's integral relationship without an S at the end, integralrelationship.com. Okay, excellent. That's and it. your book, Sex, uh, Purpose, Love? Uh, Sex, Se Purpose, Love. That's the second book. Excellent. And, and that's based on my first book. So that's called Integral Relationship. And initially it was a manual for me because um. I had to learn how to date Northern Californian New Age <laughs> Uh, women <laughs> and then there were other men interested and so i made it into a relationship for men amazing 
I will, of course, put all those links in the show notes. Martin Uchik, thank you so much for your time yeah, and sharing your wisdom and magic. Yeah, this has yeah, been awesome. Much uh, love I, to everyone. Yes, I feel like there's so much more to discuss, so I'm sure we'll have you <laughs> back on and some someday. Yeah. All right, thank you so much. Have a great yeah. day. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, rate, and review. For more information and show notes, head on over to being-podcast.com. We'll see you next time. And remember, live your being.